Hello, welcome to Theology Untapped. It's Alan Verghese here, and today I'm joined with my good friend Nelson Solomon. We will be discussing about how Bible came to us the way it is right now, and how do we understand it today. Today we have our Bibles in English and all the different languages, but Bible, especially New Testament we are talking here, is written in Greek. And uh, how did it came together? Um, in the sense of it wasn't originally written as a book. It wasn't written as 27 chapters of a book. Rather, it was written separately. Now that's what we want to talk about. And how did all this came together? And how do we understand it? Well, what's your, what, what's your thought on it, Nelson? So first off, it's important to understand that, in particular the New Testament as we're talking about, there's 27 books, and there's different types of books within the 27 books. And you have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the original four Gospels, they share different variations of the version of Jesus of, of Jesus' life. And then it, you move to a recounting of the early church history. And then mm. you move into more of a uh, theological foundation for our faith in Romans. And then you move to these epistles. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what you see is that these are all different forms. And these are all... And, and understanding the, word, the context of each mm. thing, each situation is very important to understand. Yeah. And without understanding that that foundation it's hard to really understand it no okay so that that's helpful because all these books are written by different people paul wrote majority of them all the other books or even the letters of paul was written in different contexts in different times uh, that also means it's not all the same uh, it's telling different things but i also want to speak about how these 27 books came together uh, what went into the process of compiling it? Now, people have this idea that uh, this is all made up. Uh, it's all made up by certain individuals, a certain council. But it's my understanding that uh, it actually was more complex than that. I mean, it took uh, a whole four centuries. It took, it took four centuries, and it's interesting how the process developed. So when you study the, the expansion of the church, mm. as the church was established in different cities and in different places throughout the Roman Empire, and what, what happened is that you would read different passages or different books that were written mm -hmm. in different places. Yeah. So there was not a common understanding that okay, yeah. these are the books you read. Yeah. Instead, different books were read in different places. Yeah. And as this was being developed... Um, there was a man named Marcion. Mm -hmm. he, he decided, okay, well, I'm going to make a list. Mm -hmm. And so he made a list that was included in a letter that we still have today mm -hmm. um, that basically was the first identifiable list of the New Testament books. Yeah. But the interesting thing about this man is that he was his theology was completely um, irreconcilable with the foundational truths of the gospel. Yeah. And so well, this this caused for what you what you mentioned before, which is the councils and, and these discussions to come together. But this pro and so what began was this process where the the church overall began to look which are 
the books that belong in the Holy Scriptures yeah. and which don't. Marcion put together a certain books and also he edited some of these because his theology was different and flawed. And that, that showed the church leaders. Now, when you talk about church leaders, not just one particular church, like entire church kind of came to the realization that, hey, we, we need to do this and like, we have to choose what to read and what is authoritative, what is the word of God and what is not. That's when they, the, the conversation among the church leaders started. Now, I also want to point out that that's not the point when they wrote. All these books we have today, the 27 books, were in, in circulation at that time. They, the church was reading as part of encouragement and as preaching out of it. It was already in existing. It was not Marcion or any other distorted theologist that prompted the early church fathers to write, write the Bible. Even before that, these write, writings were there. Yeah, these writings were there and they were completed by the end of the, by the, end of the first century. So these writings, these books, the ones that we recognize that are in the Bible today, in addition to many extra-biblical books that are in other variations and other books, other extra-biblical collections, they were all being circulated. They were all being read. They were all being um, distributed to these different churches. These letters were being sent to all these places. And they believed, uh, they believed in, 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 the, in the primacy of the, of the four Gospels because that was kind of a, a premier source, mm -hmm. of, a source of readership. But they also read the letters that we see today, yeah. but they read things in addition to that. The question that Marcion really stirred up was not uh, the question of writing them or, or, uh, or initiating them, but more the idea of what does the Holy Scriptures look like? Yeah. And yeah. that forced the church to, to face a crucial point in its development, yeah. which is what like what do we stand for? Yeah. What are what where do we draw the lines? Exactly. And so that people in our faith know this is what Christianity is known for. That's right, yeah. Versus Greek mythologies or this belief system or that belief system. Yeah. This is what Christianity stands for. Yeah. And uh, I just also wanna just uh, 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 an overview of things and as a response to that early church uh, placed the importance uh, of understanding apostolicity, apostolic faith. Uh, they wanted to see does all the books we read uh, somehow trace back to either either the direct authorship of the an apostle or a, a, an associate that, who was closely associated with the apostles so that they can be sure that these things were actually heard from Jesus Christ because according to them it was an important thing that what you have heard is an important thing. Everybody in the second century knew someone who actually heard directly from Jesus Christ. So that's how they actually added the authority to it. So yeah, and at the same time, does these writings actually solidly proclaim the divinity and humanity of Jesus Christ? These were some of these things were going on in their mind. And again, I want to, I want to emphasize that these were not just isolated individuals making decisions. The, as I said, it, it actually spanned through three to four centuries. So Holy Spirit was prompting different people in different places uh, to come together. 
the canon of New Testament was actually already agreed in organic manner even before the councils met. I think in the first mention of these 27 books as an authoritative canon was in a letter written by, uh, by Athanasius. I think if I'm right around 375 in a letter he wrote to a king. Uh, so it was already there. It was the Holy Spirit that prompted different people to bring together these books together so that let the people know that these are the authoritative one. Now on the topic of authority, that's when we talk about how do we understand the Bible today. There is a common understanding in Protestant churches that Bible is the Word of God. I've also people ask me the question, but John 1 1 or John 1 says Jesus is the Word of God. Now, how do we tackle that conundrum? Is Jesus the Word of God or is the Bible the Word of God? Do you have uh, any thoughts on that? The central aspect of the, the entire scripture from beginning to end is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's, it's important to keep that, to keep that context in mind. There, today when we look at the scriptures, we look at it as the, it's a beautiful process that the Holy Spirit presided over for, as you said, for over 400 years. Yeah. And so that authority comes from the Spirit, and that, that authority was led to the creation of the Word of God. But everything in the Word of God, as we understand it as believers in Jesus Christ, needs to be looked at through the lens of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the purpose of it is to reveal Jesus Christ. That's right. And, so this, and when it comes to the question of authority, I believe that Jesus is the ultimate revelation mm -hmm. of the scripture. That's right, yeah. And so, yes, we could argue that, yes, the word of God has some authority in, term, in, in terms of the way that it was written. Yeah. In that it was written, in there are you know, there are poetic books, there are historical books, there are prophetic uh, books as well. And they're all supposed to be read in the context that they're, that they're supposed to be read in. Yeah. But the beauty of it is, whether you're talking the beginning of the world of Genesis or you're talking you're talking the story of Job, mm -hmm. Jesus is revealed mm -hmm. in all of it. So you're saying that Jesus is the ultimate word of God. Yeah, Jesus is the ultimate word of God. And, but Bible is sort of, is it right to say the written word of God in the sense that, well, in, in a way we say it, well, we wouldn't know Jesus without the Bible. So... We needed Bible to know Jesus Christ, but at the same time, through the Bible, we know that Jesus is the only Word of God. So it's like Jesus is the ultimate authority, but yet Bible has the written Word of God authority to it. Also, you brought up an interesting thing about different genres, uh, different uh, life, for example, the poetic nature of books, Psalms are poetic, and the historical books, mm -hmm. and the po prophetic books. Now, every book has to be read in its context. But that reminds me of questions uh, people ask me was, do you read the Bible literally? Now, the question is, in the Bible it says Jesus is the door. Does that mean that we think Jesus was a piece of wood that we could open <laughs> and walk through it? I mean, that's a literal way of looking at it. Yeah, no, we don't, we don't see that. We don't yeah. see that. 
But why? How do you understand that? We understand it metaphorically. Yeah. Now, why? Because that's kind of the genre we, we call it that. Do, do, what, do you, what would you say in the sense of like the, uh, to the question of do you read the Bible literally? You understand what the Bible is saying mm -hmm. in the context of the type of book that you're reading. That's right. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. That's, and, that, and that's the most important thing to understand. When you read, for, uh, for example, one of the poetic books uses a lot of imagery, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, metaphors and, and comparisons. Mm -hmm. you can, there are countless phrases that if you took them literally mm -hmm. would completely determine the meaning of, yeah. uh, of, yeah. of what the writer was saying. Yeah. But there's, a, there, there's a reason, and there's a rhyme and a reason as to why it was written the way that it was written. Yeah. There are aspects of the Bible, um, for example, in Galatians, uh, Paul talks about the issue of circumcision. Mm -hmm. This was because this was a controversial topic, this was mm -hmm. being addressed, this was being discussed, he needed to address it, so he's, if you look at the way he worded it, very straightforward, this is... The, this is the resolution to the, pro the problem. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you that this is my answer to the problem. It's yeah. very plain, plain spoken. When you compare that to Proverbs, there's many phrases in there that, that you're like, what? Like, that yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But then you have to look at it as the, the writer is trying to give a poetic meaning yeah. and a creative expression. Uh -huh. And it points to the creativity of God. Yeah. That God does not always speak the same way. That's right. In the same manner. That's right. different people. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, the, and, and there's, a, there's, there's a certain beauty in that. That's right. And that, that's where, to me, and that's something that if you look to kind of take a step outside of this, mm -hmm. you look at three to four hundred years of work to prepare this, to the, this collection of books mm -hmm. that was being, uh, to be written and yeah. to be prepared and to be compiled into this, into this particular order and all these different things. Yeah. You compare that with, for example, the Islamic religion or yeah. other belief systems yeah. where they're totally and utterly reliant yeah. on a supposed prophecy yes, right. or a supposed uh, revelation mm -hmm. given to one man, mm -hmm. specifically in the case of Islam, in the case of one man in one cave, in mm -hmm. one location, mm -hmm. that he just got all this, this revelation mm -hmm. at, one, at one time. Yeah. And we're supposed to believe that. Yes. Whereas this is historically... Yes. The, the same information has been kept intact yes. time and time again, and it's been revealed again and again and again. The Bible is the most proven book yeah. in, in the history of the world That's right. by evidence. Yeah, I mean, it's really, really interesting. It, it was fascinating to me that you mentioned that the beauty of God comes out of the diversity of the genres used in the Bible itself. God communicates to different people differently. Now, God did do so in, 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 in the way that he himself revealed to different people in different manner. Now, that's exactly the same thing happens about uh, the first four Gospels. A lot of people ask the questions about hey, why different. There are stories that are different, slightly different. Does that mean that one person was making it up? No, it's more like different people were reporting the same event. But because four people were actually different people, God revealed differently to them to see different objects, different things in the same event. Now, that marks the beauty of God's creation. I, I also want to mention something as we, as, as we conclude that people those who were instruments of writing these, for example, the gospel writers, the disciples, 
or the apostles or the people those who are closely associated to apostles all of them wrote these books not thinking that they're going to compile it all together later on fourth century and then it's going to be published as a book no 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 that wasn't their thinking they were responding to particular need for the sake of the gospel for the sake of proclaiming Jesus Christ is that is that right yes and they were acting upon the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in that time. Yeah. And they were not writing it in anticipation of people hundreds and uh, hundreds of years later mm -hmm. sitting there reading their writings yeah. as relevant to those people in that time frame. Yeah. But that's the beauty of the gospel yeah. is that the needs that he talked about, that Paul may have talked about, that mm -hmm. Peter may have talked about, that James talked about, those, those needs and, and the stories of Jesus and, and the stories of the disciples and the Gospels, those stories resonate with us today mm -hmm. just as powerfully. Yeah. Like, if you really study, there are pieces of it that maybe don't resonate as much because they were more specific to the time. Mm -hmm. but, but there are aspects of the story that still resonate so powerfully with us. Yeah. And that is the beauty of the Gospel. Yeah, and that, that is the power of the Holy Spirit that yeah. moves through the Bible, Biblical Scriptures. I mean, I like the way you said it in the sense of they were actually wanting to spread the gospel. Their heart's desire was to communicate this man, Jesus Christ, the beauty of him and beauty of him as God himself revealed. And again, most of the time, probably they had no idea where they got that thought from. That's when we go back to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God prompted them even without their knowledge. Now, when we look back into the scriptures today after 2,000 years, now we see those things real in our hearts. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, the things we are really longing for. But at the same time, when Jesus says that your heart is evil, when you take some time to reflect on our heart and look into it, well, we have problem, we have jealousy, we have anger. Now, those things are still real. That they were written in 2000 years ago but isn't it not relevant it is relevant now that's when we actually talk about the inspiration of the holy spirit as we conclude i just want to say that bible still speaks to us not because sometimes it's because of this is literary amazement of things but more li more likely it speaks to people's heart because it explains about our human nature and the need uh, of a savior that's the Savior we see in Jesus Christ. And that's why it speaks to us. And at the same time, uh, it speaks to us because the Holy Spirit wants us to know that. Holy Spirit wants us to know that God loves us and He Himself is ready to actually forgive us. Now, thank you, Nelson, for this engaging yeah. conversation about Bible uh, and how it was formed and related aspects of it. And uh, I'm sure... I'm definitely sure that we did not uh, actually cover a lot of things. I mean, come on, we are talking about history and we are talking about Bible. Massive subject. There is a massive subject. And so I, I want to just tell, let the listeners know that if you are really interested in these uh, topics, we can give you a lot of recommendation. Please let us know, write your thoughts on social media, and uh, we will try to give our recommendations of what authors to read and gather more knowledge because there is a lot and a lot and a lot written on these topics. 
well for now i just would like to thank everybody uh, who are listening thanks again to nelson and once again i'm alan Varghese, and this is theology untapped your source for theological discourse